In the Ironman triathlon, participants start out with a 2.4 mile swim. They follow that up with a 112 mile bike ride and then end things with a short little 26.2 mile run. <laughs> That's insanity. And if you're not an athlete, it's a little hard to wrap your mind around those numbers. But just consider this. Participants in the Ironman triathlon have 17 hours. 17 hours to finish the race. That's crazy. The Ironman triathlon is known for its grueling length, its harsh conditions. It's widely accepted as the most challenging one-day sporting event in the world. It's, it's difficult, both physically and mentally. Now, here's the thing. If I asked you to watch the competition with me, many of you would be willing to do that. You would be willing at least to watch part of it with me. But if I asked you to compete in it with me, the number of you who are willing to do that, that number would drop significantly, right? Because that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different level of commitment. The same is true in our faith. There are millions of people who admire the Christian example the life, the values, the teachings of Jesus without understanding that the call to follow Jesus is a call not just to admire his example as a spectator. It is a call to follow his example, to join him in the race. And that is a whole different thing. It's a whole different level of commitment. And that's exactly what the Beatitudes that we have been studying are all about None more than this final beatitude that we're looking at today. Today is the last week in our playbook series. This eighth beatitude is the longest, and it is a real banger. Jesus saves the hardest for last. Here's what he says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But here's where things get a little different, get a little weird. Jesus doesn't continue with his pattern in the rest of the Beatitudes. He keeps going. He doesn't stop there. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's a whole different thing. That's a whole different level of commitment. Now, there are a few things that I think are critical for all of us to understand about this text. Here's the first thing. That it's actually Jewish tradition to say anything important twice. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. He simply repeats himself. He says, you're blessed when you're persecuted. And you are blessed when you are persecuted. This is the only double blessed beatitude. It's almost as if Jesus is making sure that you're paying attention, that you don't miss what he's saying because it is so critical. The second thing that I think is important for all of us to understand or to have is a, a shared understanding of what persecution is and what it isn't. And Jesus gives us some parameters. He says it's because of righteousness. There's a nonprofit called Open Doors. 
And Open Doors is dedicated to supporting Christians who are threatened for their faith in Jesus. And here's how they define persecution. Any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. I love that definition because it really mirrors what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes. It's in the context of our faith. It's because of righteousness, because of identification with Jesus Christ. And here's why this is critical. Because in the West, it's easy to believe that any suffering that we experience, any hostility is persecution. But that's not actually true. Here's the thing. If someone is rude to you because of your political beliefs, if they dismiss you, that is not persecution. If you are passed over for a job because someone else is more qualified, that is not persecution. Paying high gas prices is not persecution. (laughs) And it's really important for us to understand that if you get into an argument with someone on social media because that's what people do on social media, that is not actually persecution. It's the context of our faith. And we can't forget that. It's persecution because of righteousness that Jesus says is blessed. It's because of identification with Jesus Christ. Open Doors goes on to say, from Sudan to Russia, from Nigeria to North Korea, from Colombia to India, followers of Christianity are targeted for their faith. They're attacked. They are discriminated against at work and at school. They risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, and much more. So it's critical that we have a shared understanding of of what persecution really is, of what Jesus is saying here in this text. Here's the last thing I think is critical, is that this is not some one-off statement by Jesus. He's not being haphazard or casual or reckless, not at all. In fact, here's the truth that I haven't even wanted to be honest or admit myself. Persecution, suffering for our faith, It's one of the clearest doctrines in the Bible. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a a large percentage of the New Testament, one time when he referenced persecution for our faith, he simply says this, everyone, who? Everyone, everyone, right? Say it with me, everyone. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It seems like there's no getting around this. It is a major theme in the New Testament, and yet it feels like a lost concept, something we don't spend a lot of time thinking about or talking about, myself included, because it is not a warm, feel-good, fuzzy message. But Jesus is making something real clear here, that following him will cost you something. And because of that, few may actually choose to. It actually reminds me of another part of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. The road is difficult and a few will ever find it. To really follow Jesus requires risk and sacrifice. Jesus says it will involve persecution and suffering. And there's no easy road, no comfortable path, only a narrow road that few will find because the cost is significant. It's substantial. So to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to count the cost. 
We have to be willing to risk it all. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You know what is a beautiful thing to consider? The arc of history, the narrative of our faith. Persecution has been happening to Christ's followers since the beginning of time. It continues today around the world. It will no doubt be part of the future of our faith. But here's the crazy reality. The paradox is actually this. That historically, the church has always thrived in hostile conditions. In the face of intense persecution, the gospel continues to spread. More and more continue to come to faith in Jesus. We see this throughout history and even today in places all around the world. And so if we consider our place, Pantano Church, if we consider our place in history, our place in the story of our faith... It's as if God is inviting us to be part of what scripture refers to as this great cloud of witnesses. And can you imagine that just for a moment there are people who have served Jesus faithfully and obediently despite incredible suffering, hardship, and persecution. People who have determined that the cost was worth the reward and now those people are cheering us on. It is our opportunity, it is our time, it is our chance now. And they are cheering us on as we run our race, as we follow the way of Jesus, the example of Jesus. What an incredible honor to be part of this faith heritage. This legacy that's being passed on to us. It is our time now. And if we're willing to count the cost and pay the price, Jesus says we will be blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is a cost to following Jesus. That's what this eighth beatitude is all about. There is a cost, but there is also a reward. Jesus spells it out. He's clear. Our reward is heaven. It's eternity with him. But before we get to that, we have to first be willing to consider the cost of following Jesus in this life. And So let's look at what the cost of following Jesus has been historically. What the cost of following Jesus is today all around the globe. And what the cost of following Jesus will be in our future first. What is the cost of following Jesus historically? Since the emergence of Christianity, Christians have been targeted for their faith. And this is well documented. You may have even heard that 11 of the 12 original disciples were martyred for their faith. And so the history of our faith, it's rich with sacrifice. People who have committed to live obediently and faithfully. Following the way of Jesus even to death. And though there are dozens of examples we could pull from, I just want to share one fascinating example in Scripture. It's of John the Baptist. I I love John the Baptist. Jesus refers to John, who was his cousin, as the greatest prophet who ever lived. And Scripture says his sole purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. But others probably would have seen John as a little crazy Scripture says he wore camel's hair and ate locusts. He spent copious amounts of time in the desert by himself. And that actually has nothing to do with the persecution he experienced. 
but I just felt like I couldn't talk about John without including a few of his idiosyncrasies because I just want you to have a clear picture of what John was like in your mind. He's a little wild and unkempt. I imagine that he may have looked like this guy. And as unconventional as John the Baptist was, people flocked to him from great distances because they were captivated by his message. John became this public figure, but he had a habit of speaking out against authority about their evil and wicked ways. And so John made a lot of people angry, most notably King Herod. And John got himself thrown into jail. And while John is in jail, there's this really fascinating interaction between Jesus and John. I want you to see that. It's in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Here's what it says. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him. Now, just to clarify what's happening here. John is in jail. And he's been thrown in jail for nothing. He's done nothing wrong. In fact, he has been obedient to Christ. He's done exactly what God has asked him to do, and now he's in jail. I can imagine he's a little confused, like all of us would be. God, I did what you asked me to do, and yet here I am in jail. John has disciples just like Jesus has disciples. So John sends his disciples to ask Jesus one question. Just one question. John wanted to know the answer. Here it is. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Are you the one who is to come? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then Jesus says this really interesting statement. He says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Another translation reads, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. This exchange is really interesting. Because John is persecuted, thrown in prison, and in this moment of honesty, he admits to doubt. And I imagine he's counting the cost and wondering if it is worth it, worth the sacrifice. And he finds himself wavering, questioning if Jesus is actually the Messiah after all. Remember, John was a prophet before Jesus' death and resurrection. It takes a lot of faith to believe without evidence. And so John sends his disciples to ask this one question, and Jesus responds, not simply by answering the question. Instead, he responds with evidence, telling his disciples to report back about the miracles he is performing. It's as if he's saying, just look at what I'm doing. You'll see I'm the Messiah. I am the son of God, John. I'm the one you've been waiting for. But here's the thing that I think is really interesting. When you read this passage and you read Jesus' response, I don't sense any anger, any impatience by Jesus. I don't want you to miss that. These two grew up together. There was prophecy that Jesus was the Messiah, and John finds himself in prison, confused, wavering, doubting, questioning. And in that moment, Jesus could have responded harshly. He didn't. He didn't. He was patient, and he was kind, and he was gracious in his response to John. 
I think there's a beautiful picture of God's character, even in this interaction. He says, yes, John, I am the one you've been waiting for. But then he makes this statement, blessed is he who does not fall away because of me. Why does he say that? Because Jesus understands there is a cost to following him. And John is paying that price. John pays the ultimate price with his life. He was killed for his faith. And here it's as if Jesus is saying, don't give up, John. Don't give up. It's going to be worth it. It will be worth it. The road is narrow. The cost is great. But the reward is worth it. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. John never recounted his faith. He wavered, he questioned, he doubted even, but he never recounted. He stayed faithful to the end. He trusted a God that refuses to promise comfort or ease. A God who often doesn't make sense in this life for the promise of the next. And John is just one of many examples in our faith, in our history, of those who counted the cost of following Jesus and were willing to pay the price because they knew it was worth it. In our history, it's just rich with examples of those who paid the price, counted the cost, and received an incredible reward. But what is the cost of following Jesus today? Here's the difficult reality, that over the last 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth, not much has changed. Christians continue to face intense persecution all around the world. Here are some sobering statistics. Over 340 million Christians are currently living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination just for following Jesus. Now, to give some context, that is the population of the United States. That's one in eight Christians who are persecuted worldwide. We were talking backstage earlier about how many of us just take this opportunity to gather together on a Sunday morning for granted. We don't even consider that there are Christians, followers of Jesus worldwide, who can't do what we're doing here today. Just in the past year, 4,761 Christians have been killed for their faith. 4,488 churches and other Christian buildings have been attacked. And 4,277 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. Just in the last year. And I think it's really hard for us in the West to understand what's happening around the world to our brothers and our sisters in the faith. So there are just a few examples this morning that I want to share with you. The first one, there is a believer from a house church in Iran, and he can't be named for obvious reasons. But he explained that people who want to join the church actually have to sign a written statement agreeing to lose their property, be thrown in jail, and be martyred for their faith. They have to agree to that just to join the church. Many Christians are arrested in Iran and are either executed or imprisoned for years. Interestingly, Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. Those are believers who have counted the cost 
and yet remain devoted to following Jesus. The second example is a pastor who leads a whole network of underground churches in China. And he said that they have five pillars to their church movement. Now, pillars are simply values. It's like our version of all in. Here are the five pillars. The first one is a deep commitment to prayer. The second one is a commitment to the word of God. And the third is a commitment to sharing the gospel. Now, that's pretty straightforward, right? That kind of lines up with our all-in commitment. But here's where it gets a little different. Number four, a regular expectation of miracles. That's pretty cool. I'd sign up for that. Now, here's where it gets real weird. Number five, embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. Embrace suffering. These are the values they have built their church on. They don't hide from the reality that persecution is part of their calling. And they know that they have a faith that is worth dying for. The third example that I want to share with you is someone who we are all connected to, whether you realize it or not, a man by the name of Dio Obawea. And Dio is serving in West Africa and is a Pantano Global Partner. And that simply means that we provide financial support to him monthly. And it's actually your generosity that makes it possible for us to continue to do that. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to hear directly from Dio about the work that he is doing. But he is in a remote village in Africa. And there's pretty spotty Wi-Fi. You'll see that here. But it is worth it to hear from him directly about the cost of following Jesus. Watch this. Hi, my name is um, Dayo Obaweya, and uh, I am the um, chair coordinator for medical ambassadors in West Africa. And uh, I've been a missionary on the field for 22 years. I've been partnering with Pantano for 14 years now. And uh, your support has been able to encourage us. We, with the full gospel, that is, we reach out to people physically, spiritually, emotionally, and socially. Whenever we go out into communities, uh, our role is to show the love of Christ to people by engaging them personally. And every time we do that, what we get sometimes is uh, hatred. And sometimes um, this hatred had resulted in killing, maiming, and sometimes uh, we have been ostracized, but we are not discouraged. I'll give you an example of some of these things that happened to us. Um, as some of you have heard about Boko Haram and uh, the ISWAP. They are in the northern part of Nigeria, a particular area where we have a chair program going for about 10 years. Um, a church that was planted there in the, in the middle of the northern country was uh, burnt down the first time. The second time I went there for a program and a week after that, they came in again and burnt it down. We put it together again. The third time, the pastor was gone down during the service. And, uh, you know, that really touched us and we felt, well, we have to leave. But some of the Christians in that place said, we cannot leave. The Lord has put us here because of these lost people. And so we're going to show the love of God. Now, what has happened there today is that a new church has been planted and a new seminary, Bible school, has been put in place there. And uh, so people from a population of about 80 has grown to a population of about 800 in that area. And so 
um, Christians are growing. The number of people who are committed to mission, they are growing. Now, thanks to your prayers, because your prayer is what of what sustains us. We uh, covet your prayers, and I tell you that many times when we pray and some of our friends are going through this difficulty, the Lord shows up. The Lord has saved many of, of us from killing, but we are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is saving men and women and children, and some of these people who kill today are giving their lives to Christ. And that's our joy. If one who has killed or who has sworn to kill is giving his life, we're so happy. So again, thank you for your encouragement and support. We are grateful to you. We get more people as we receive your prayers and support. We reach out to more people. And I, we are very optimistic that the, those who are killing today will give their lives to Christ. That's what the Lord has called us to do. Blessings. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Dio and his team, the work that they do, it's just an incredible example of this eighth beatitude, what it's all about. When we were on the call with Dio a few weeks ago, he shared that he often tunes in via our online campus. So I just want to give a little shout out to Dio. Dio, let you know that we love you. We are praying for you. We are so grateful for the work that you are doing. Church, can we give him another hand? He's an amazing man of God. So we understand persecution historically. It's part of our faith. We understand the persecution that continues today all around the globe. Despite this, our faith remains resilient. But what will be the cost of following Jesus in the future? I don't anticipate actually that anything will change. In fact, I expect that things will continue to get harder for those who are following Jesus. And I want to show you exactly where Jesus speaks about this. It's in Matthew 24. And this is an incredible chapter where Jesus speaks to what is referred to as the end of the age, when he will return and life will end. It is a sober warning. And he's letting us know how we will know when things get close, when the end is near. This is an incredible chapter. Someday I hope to preach it all because it is timely and it is relevant. The words of Jesus are timeless. But for now, I just want to show you this one incredible part. It's verses 9 and 10 in Matthew 24. Jesus says then, remember he's talking about how we will know when the end is coming near. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Even in the West, I'm convinced we will not be able to escape persecution for our faith forever. It is coming. And Jesus says many will fall away as a result. The road is narrow. There will be a cost. And yet we don't have to live in fear because remember the church has always thrived in hostile conditions. In the face of intense persecution, people continue to come to faith in Jesus. The gospel continues to spread. 
And so this reality, it's part of the history of our faith. It's happening currently all around the world. It will no doubt continue. But we can be encouraged by those in our history who have served faithfully. Those who right now are continuing to experience persecution and yet remain obedient and resilient. The promise that we hold on to is this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the call to follow Jesus. This is the cost. And this is the reward. But can I tell you, there is a question that has been plaguing me. A question that I've been wrestling with. If we never experience persecution for our faith, are we really following the way of Jesus? If we never experience persecution for our faith, are we really following the way of Jesus? I think we have to consider that question. Pantano Church, here's what I know. It is so easy to just stay focused on what's happening in our own corner of the world. To let our own worldview dictate our understanding of God. But here is the reality. We serve a big God. We are part of a resilient faith, a persevering church made up of men and women all over the world who are serving faithfully and obediently despite sacrifice and risk and consequences. What an incredible privilege to consider ourselves part of that family of God. And my hope is that each of us today who want to follow Jesus will understand that it is a commitment to follow his way. To be willing to count the cost, to pay the price. And there's no guarantee of what that will look like. I think history has a lot to teach us. But what I'm certain of is that it will not be easy. But it will absolutely be worth it. Jesus promises us that. God is working all around the world. And we have an incredible honor, I think, to join him in that work, to partner with him. There are three things that I think each of us could commit to today as we leave from here. Three things that I believe give us hope. The first one is this, pray. Pray for those around the globe facing persecution. We believe that prayer changes things. That the God of the universe hears our prayers, acts on our behalf. And praying for people around the world, it's one of the greatest ways I know for God to align our hearts with his. To increase our love for the hurting, the vulnerable, the suffering, the marginalized. And praying for persecuted believers, it's a way to stand in the gap with believers who are part of the fame, same family of God. It's also how we can begin to understand our place in history. Our place in the story that God is writing. All across our world. Jesus told us to pray and not give up. And there is not a single nation or people group that God does not love. So you absolutely can't go wrong here. But here are just a couple of things that you can begin to pray for. Pray for pastors, church leaders, ministry leaders to stand strong. And to be protected. Pray for the encouragement of believers. Pray for Christians in prison to experience God's comfort and peace. Pray for the gospel to spread among the nations. And specifically for global leaders to come to faith. 
When you walked in today, you should have received a handout. And it has all of our global partners on this. And here's my hope with this handout is that you can use it as a tool. Put it somewhere you'll remember. You'll see it often in your bathroom or your car or on your refrigerator. And every time you see it, it will be a reminder to pray. To pray and not give up. There are people and organizations all across this world that you are part of supporting. And they need our prayers. They need our support. Many of them are experiencing persecution every day. And we can lift them up in prayer. If you want more information on who we support, there's actually a QR code on here. And so you can get more information on every organization. If you use the link at that QR code. If you're watching online and you want a digital copy, you simply need to text the word pray to the number 46356. Just text pray to the number 46356 and you'll get a digital copy. If you didn't get one of these when you walked in, make sure you grab one before you leave. It's an incredible resource. Pray and do not give up. Number two, the second commitment is to keep an eternal perspective. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The call to follow Christ is a call to joyfully endure suffering in this life for a promise of eternal blessing in the next. The Apostle Paul, a man who understands what it was to be persecuted for his faith, he made this statement. He said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I love Paul's perspective. May it be ours. May we keep an eternal perspective. Because we have to fight for our opportunity to meet Jesus face to face. To hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And in that moment, the cost, the sacrifice, the pain, the suffering, it will have all been worth it. And so in this life, we have to be willing to risk it all for the next. The third commitment is this. Remember the example of Jesus. The eighth beatitude says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And no one understands this more than Jesus. We're called to follow the way of Jesus. But the way of Jesus is persecution, suffering, and death. Jesus was perfect in every way. And yet he suffered. He died for our sins. That's love. But real love always demands something of us. And Jesus was the ultimate example of that sacrifice. Every week here at Pantano, we take communion together as a family. As a way to remember that sacrifice. But I want to remind you that the goal is for this not to just be another religious activity. Instead, our hope, our prayer is that it is an opportunity to reset, to refocus our hearts, to anchor ourselves in the way of Jesus. And that's exactly what this playbook series on the Beatitudes is all about. Following the way of Jesus. The example 
of Jesus. So as we close out this series today, we want to spend some time reflecting on what it means to really follow Jesus. And then in response, we want to take communion as a way to remember what he has done for us. Jesus gave us a guide. He made it clear what the kingdom of God looks like. But it is so radical, so countercultural that to truly become like Jesus requires and even demands a completely different life. And I don't know about you, but this series has been really hard for me because I've had to be honest about some areas in my life that don't line up with following Jesus, that don't line up with the kingdom of God. And actually, it's a really integral part of the communion that we practice every week. It's confession, confession of the ways that we have sinned and fallen short. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take some time to reflect. And then we're going to take communion together. We're going to use the Beatitudes as a, a framework to do that. Because this, we believe, is our guide, our playbook. And I'm going to read through each beatitude. And there will be some prompts on the screen, some reflection questions. But here's the thing. Last night I was praying for you. I was praying for this moment that God would move, that God would speak to your heart. God would speak to my heart. And I spent some time actually in confession, apologizing for the ways that I have fallen short. Using the Beatitudes as a framework. And and here's what I felt like God spoke to me. And I don't hear God in an audible voice, but I felt like he prompted me. That today as we pray, that we should kneel. And I kind of resisted. I I fought God a little bit because it's a little inconvenient. Maybe because some physically aren't able, there's not a lot of room between the seats, the floor is hard, and we don't really do that. But here's the thing, I've just spent 30 minutes talking about the cost of following Jesus. And now we're considering what Jesus did for us. And here's what I'm trying to learn is that when Jesus says something, we should just obey, even when it maybe doesn't make sense, even when it's inconvenient. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do today. If you're not physically able to kneel, that's okay. God knows your heart. You can simply sit there with your your hands in front of your lap. But those who are able, I'm just going to ask you to kneel. There's nothing magical about kneeling. It's just an opportunity to pray with our hearts, our minds, our bodies. And you know what kneeling is? It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of dependence. It's a posture of surrender. And I know there's not a lot of room where you are. There is a lot of room up here. But can you imagine what God would do through a church that is humbled? 
the very first beatitude is, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Can you imagine what God could do in a church that says, God, we are depending on you. We can't do it on our own. God, we need you. And so right now, in a kneeled posture, we just say, God, we need you. We want to be people of the way. We want to be people that follow you. God, come. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come to meet us here today. God, we've been studying the Beatitudes for the last week, and what we know is, God, that we fall short. God, we fall short. But our hearts are devoted to you. Our hearts are committed to you. God, we love you. Change our hearts. Make us more like you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. God, we are desperate for you. We are at the end of our rope. We know that we are empty. We are bankrupt. God, we need you. We are nothing without you. Blessed are those who mourn. God, there is sin in our lives, and we ask you to break our hearts for what breaks yours, God, and that includes our sin our sin against you, our sin against others. God, forgive us. God, we repent. We repent. Blessed are the meek. God, we come to you in a posture of surrender, of meekness. God, we surrender, we ask for your freedom. there is nothing that we're not willing to risk, that we're not willing to surrender to give to you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, I pray that nothing would stand in the way of our pursuit of you. That we would desire after you, that our thoughts, our energy, our time, God, would be consumed with pursuing righteousness, chasing hard after you. Blessed are the merciful. God, forgive us for the times that we have not been merciful. Forgive us for the times that instead we have responded in judgment and criticism. God, may we be a church full of mercy and grace. Blessed are the pure in heart. God, if there is anything that is competing with you, if there are idols in our hearts, God, we surrender those to you. God, forgive us for the things that we have put ahead of you. God, may we be purely devoted to you. Blessed are the peacemakers. God, may this church choose peace, not division, not anger, not hatred, but peace. God, that we would be willing to go the second mile with people. 
that we would be obedient. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. God, may we be willing to count the cost, to risk it all, to lay it all down, God, because nothing, nothing compares to the promise of eternal glory with you. God, we have fallen short. I'm so grateful for your grace, for your mercy. God, you have started a work in our hearts over these last eight weeks, and I pray that you would do what your word promises, that you would bring that word through to completion. You are faithful and you are good, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, we're gonna take communion together. If you have the bread, if you have the juice, we'll take that now. This bread represents his body. It was broken for us. This is what it cost Jesus. You may take the bread. And this juice, it represents his blood that was poured out. This is what it cost Jesus. You may drink the juice. Jesus took our sin upon himself. He died for our sins. His body was broken. His blood was poured out. Jesus counted the cost and he determined that you were worth it. And because of that, we are made new in him. We have hope now and forever. I'm so grateful for that. The resurrection of Jesus is always the starting place for the followers of the way. I just wanna pray for you real quick as we leave this place. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that you counted the cost and determined we were worth it. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace, your kindness toward us. May we be people of your way, your character, people who are committed to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pantano Church, God has given us his playbook, his guide. The way of Jesus is challenging, it's demanding, but it is beautiful and it is absolutely worth it. So as you leave today, I pray that you would commit to being a follower of Jesus, that you would live the blessed life. Amen. Amen. We love you. Go in peace, Pantano.